0: The Blaze Radio Network. On demand.
1: Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin
2: flair. Vices. I don't have to show you how to instinctive vices.
1: This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: All right, hour two is underway here on the Chris Salcedo Show. Glad you've tuned in. Telephone number? Triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. We will continue our discussion on what's going on with this attempted repeal and replace of Ob- of Obamacare. Uh, well, we're hearing differing word now. Is it going to be a straight repeal vote next week? Will it be a repeal and replace with? basically the Obamacare repair bill, what's it going to be? But I, I don't think we can ignore how we got here. And the reason why America is in this precarious position is because of Democrats. Exclusively because of Democrats. You don't believe me? Let's ask Chuck Schumer, the leader of the Democrats, back in 2014 when he was reflecting on the passage of Obamacare.
2: Democrats blew the opportunity hold the on, American hold on, people... hold
3: on, hold on, let me, let me, let me just, I didn't have that turned up. Let me just recue that.
2: Democrats blew the opportunity the American people gave them. We took their mandate and put all of our focus on the wrong problem, health care reform. Now, the plight of uninsured Americans and the hardships caused by unfair insurance company practices certainly needed to be addressed, but it wasn't the change we were hired to make.
3: So did Shep Smith or any of the other basket of bias press call Mr. Schumer out on this? Yeah, Mr. Schumer, you've, you're out there alleging that you, that this, this was the wrong move by Democrats. In 2014, you said this was the wrong move by Democrats. Now you're fighting like hell to keep Obamacare.
2: Well, what is it? Democrats blew the opportunity the American people gave them. We took their mandate and put all of our focus on the wrong problem.
3: Yeah. Isn't that kind of what... Isn't that the the job description of every Democrat? Focusing on the wrong problem?
2: Put all of our focus on the wrong problem. Health care reform.
3: And it wasn't health care reform. It was actually health insurance reform. If we want to be precise, Chuck Schumer. And I know that's not your stock in trade, sir. So we will... Uh, Forgo that uh, yesterday we played this soundbite for you the president of the united states saying that he doesn't own this and he's right he doesn't and the republican party doesn't own the failures of obamacare
4: and i think you'll also uh agree that i've been saying for a long time
3: let obamacare fail and then everybody's going to have to come together and fix it and uh, come up with a new plan and a plan that's really good for the people with much lower premiums much lower costs and much better protection I've been saying that, Mike, I think you'll agree for a long time. Let Obamacare fail. It'll be a lot easier. And I think we're probably in that position where we'll just let Obamacare fail. Uh, We're not going to own it. I'm not going to own it. I can tell you the Republicans are not going to own it. Now, despite what Shep Smith would tell you, the Democrats own it. Uh, The Republicans didn't impose this on the country. The, The Republicans didn't vote for this in any capacity for the country now if you want to blame them for not getting rid of this cancer Shep Smith and others I think that's fair that the Republican Party has shown they didn't do their work Republican Party has shown that um, uh, many of these Republicans actually believe in Barack Obama's vision for America in a socialist paradise that it's perfectly appropriate for a Taxpayer money to go to a an industry and uh, and subsidize an industry and and it's it's a lot of things that's not free market. that's for sure. so the vice president upon upon hearing this latest setback, he was well, he was pretty ticked.
1: inaction is not an option. Congress needs to step up. Congress needs to do their job, and Congress needs to do their job now. Well,
3: I couldn't agree. I mean, Lisa Murkowski, Rob Portman, and Shelley Capito. I mean, if if they could stop peeing their pants long enough and recognize the damage that Obamacare is doing, why would you want to keep any part of that bill? The pre-existing conditions is what drives the costs through the roof for everybody. So what you're saying, in essence, if you're Shelley Moore Capito or you're uh, Portman or you're, and we know how Susan Collins, she's a leftist, she believes this stuff. Or Lisa Murkowski is that as a Republican, you're saying that it is every taxpayer around the country's responsibility to subsidize people who get sick. And I have said this, that I believe that a solution to this is the purchase of low-cost, which used to be anyway, before Obama got a hold of it, low-cost, catastrophic loss. Catastrophic loss coverage. Pennies on the dollar to what Obamacare is costing us. That way nobody will ever go bankrupt for the cancer diagnosis. Now, how do you continue to cover them afterward? Well, they're going to have to go into a pool after they either get cured of cancer or they get cu- or they recover from the bus crash. They're going to have to go into a, uh, a pool that has that is slightly more expensive because they are a risk. But the Democrat mantra is that uh, everybody everybody is owed. Money paid for or services paid for by somebody else. Um, because people get sick through no fault of their own. Well, there are a lot of things that happen to no fault of our own. Doesn't mean that it's the responsibility of my neighbor to take on that burden. Now, if my neighbor wants to voluntarily write a check or a private organization wants to go ahead and write a check, that's, that's all well and good. But to force the American people To go through a government program where, of course, government will take its, will skim off its required kickback right off the top of taxpayer money. The most inefficient way to help anybody is through a government program, through a massive government program. So creating another entitlement, another massive bureaucracy is, is not the answer. Empowering communities to take care of these things themselves that is the answer but if government must get involved to prevent and if and if if you do need to give a payoff to the insurance companies and I brought this up yesterday and I forgot to follow through with it there is one caveat I could I could be persuaded to have universal catastrophic loss coverage paid for by the government for that population that can't afford it themselves. If you have catastrophic loss through your insurer, which most of us who have it through our through our uh, employer, you you won't need this provision. But if, um, if you don't and you want insurance, then the federal government could pay for a catastrophic loss policy upon, on your behalf, either through a tax credit or some other means, uh, and you would be covered in case of the cancer diagnosis, in case of the, the building falling on top of your head. You understand? And that way, it wouldn't be an onerous, oppressive, non-cost-effective burden to your fellow citizens. It'd be a reasonable precaution to make sure that our the, the vulnerable citizens, those who can't afford it, and who want it, are covered from being wiped out by a catastrophic illness or a catastrophic accident. And in that narrow circumstance, I think the American people would would sign on to it. And again, only in that circumstance and in language that, could, that, that is written, that any attempts, and this, this is what should have been written into Medicaid, any attempts to add a different population onto this insurance role will result in the negation of the law and the cancelization of the and the canceling of the law, the, cancel, the cancellation of the law, so that nobody will screw around with it in the future and try to put more debt burden on the taxpayer of the United States the way Obama did with Medicaid. A clerk, I'm just going to throw fi- over 15 million people on Medicaid. It's going to be fine. Yeah, says who? No, it wasn't fine. It was far from fine. It, was, it took a, a program that cost American taxpayers 2% of the budget to 10% of the budget, billions of dollars. And nobody asked us. President Obama and the Democrats just did it. We'll ask uh, a Democrat about this when we interview him at the bottom of the hour about everything that's going on here. It's Chris Salcedo's show right here on The Blaze. Be right back.
2: This
1: is The Chris Salcedo Show.
2: Only on The Blaze Radio Network.
1: Salcedo is on
2: the blaze radio network
1: we just simply do not have 50 senators who can agree what we do have is a vote that many of us made
4: Two years ago, I am ready to make that complete repeal vote again. If you're not willing to vote the same way you voted in 2015, then you need to go back home and you need to explain to Republicans why you're no longer for repealing
3: Obamacare. As you all know, Mitch McConnell has not been my favorite Republican. Uh, Mitch McConnell has even been my favorite person, as he has sought to blame all manner of of things on the Republicans' failure to connect with their message, including conservative talk radio. I I really have a hard time looking beyond what Mitch did by trying to throw us under the bus for his caucuses' ineffectiveness and his ineffective leadership. That being said, he stood up yesterday with uh, Senators Barrasso and, and Rand Paul and basically said that. And it seems to me there is agreement among Rand Paul, the Republicans, even some conservatives, of where the problem is in this whole debate. And it's the moderates, it's the big government Republicans, and even Mitch McConnell, who, again, who. <laughs> has never struck me as a rock-ribbed conservative, died in the wool conservative constitutionalist. Even he can't cover for the Lisa Murkowskis, the Shelley Moore Capitos, or the Rob Portmans anymore. He didn't, didn't even try with Susan Collins. But they got up, the three of them yesterday, at the same podium, and said that. So that this tells me, you know, because you didn't see Susan Collins... And and Lisa Murkowski and Mitch McConnell up there, um, uh, saying the same thing, indicating that it was Rand Paul and Ted Cruz and and the conservatives who were the problem here. The holdouts are the Republicans who think they can administer big government and uh, just better than the Democrats can. The Lisa Murkowski's of the world who have no problem taking your money out of your pocket. Just just that as long as she's in charge and not a Democrat. Uh, same thing with Shelley Capito. Is it Capito or Capito? I've always called her Shelley Moore Capito, but I've been hearing other people saying Cap- Capito doesn't matter. Senator from West Virginia, who is a progressive, by all indications. And then Portman, who is all wobbly in the knees out there in Ohio, that he's terribly afraid that uh, his constituents are going to have stuff taken away from them that many of his constituents didn't deserve to begin didn't deserve to get to begin with, and I, and of course I'm talking about those in the Medicaid expansion. They weren't deserving of it. Medicaid was founded for the poor and the vulnerable, not for those two to 400% of the poverty level, not able-bodied people, but Rob Portman's going, going to town to make sure that money, your money keeps flowing to Ohio. And I can, I can understand it to a point right up until the point it stops being American. Right up until the point where it starts being collectivist and socialist and Venezuelan and Cuban in nature. About this government is the the arbiter of how to redistribute wealth. I just don't believe in it. And Rob Porton apparently has become a convert. Lisa Mikowski a convert. Shelley Moore Capito. And let's be honest, Susan Collins, she didn't, didn't take much convincing. She is a Democrat with, uh, uh, she's, she's basically the equivalent of Senator Joe Manchin. She's Joe Manchin with an R in front of her name. And Joe Manchin, to be quite frank, is a is a Republican with a with a D in front of his name. At what passes for a Republican. So they occupy that universe. Uh, Matt Schlapp was on Fox News channel yesterday talking about what Obamacare is and what what the gop betrayal of repealing this thing really means
4: we just simply do not have 50 Oops. senators who can
3: wrong one sorry here's matt
4: there was a great tweet that phil kirpin sent out today which said uh, gotta love the gop they're all for repealing obamacare as long as obama's there to veto it <laughs> and uh, and and charles says this is an epic fail uh, I think this is an epic lie on on some Republicans' behalf. They went around this country for seven years mm-hmm. saying that they wanted to repeal Obamacare. Replace was added in uh, because of the politics of reality where when you're talking about health care, you're talking about people's lives. And I think it's fair for people to say, I got to know how to plan for my health burden because mm-hmm. it comes down to my kids' life, my my family's lives.
3: Yeah, about that whole lie issue, I, I think he's he's absolutely correct. I mean... Murkowski, Portman, and uh, uh, Capito all voted to repeal Obamacare a few short months ago, and now they're going to now all of a sudden they can't. And you know you know what Rob Portman's excuse is? Well, we have no, uh, we have several counties in Ohio now that don't have any choice of insurers. So anyway, let me get this straight you're going to vote to keep the law in place that resulted in Ohioans having no choice. (laughs) Uh, And your excuse is because there are now vulnerable populations that have been hurt by this law, you're going to keep it in place? That makes absolutely no sense, in my mind. Now, keep in mind, this effort is... Is a two-year process it leaves Obamacare in place for two years with war and, and it's plenty of warning to the insurance industry get your act together start remembering how to compete and be an actual real American business
4: that being said it was all about what is Obamacare Obamacare is about taking millions of Americans and jamming them onto Medicaid onto really a health care uh, insurance option that most people on Medicaid would like to be someplace else right and that was the solution and it was a lot of taxes and it was a lot of mandates it's me having to pay for a lot of things I'd never want to have an insurance policy and that's the big lie what Republicans want to do is restate and stand up this private, individual insurance market. And-
3: yeah, they want to do that. They should do that. But you know who doesn't want to do that? The traitorous insurance companies. I brought it up with Congressman Burgess. They, they don't want to compete anymore. These, these companies, these insurance companies, they want, it's, it's like they were cut and pasted from, from Cuba. Cut and pasted from China. Cut and pasted from, just pick your socialist paradise anywhere around the globe. They, they cease to be American companies standing up for capitalism and freedom and liberty. What they must be made to do, in my humble opinion, by the Congress, they must be made to actually be American companies again. If they can't survive, they can't survive. It means they don't deserve it. Uh, we'll talk to a Democrat about all this about the Obamacare repeal and replace. Coming up next on The Salcedo Show.
1: You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show.
2: Part of Generation Blaze on The Blaze Radio Network.
1: Show on the Blaze Radio Network.
3: I am your liberty-loving Latino. Do not confuse me with loudmouth leftist Latinos out there. I actually love the country. We'll get to your calls here in a minute, but want to get to our next guest, New York State Assemblymember Michael Blake. He was born in the Bronx uh, to Jamaican immigrants. He is the second term uh, in a second term representing the 79th district. There, he's a vice chair at the DNC. Sir, welcome to the Chris Salcedo Show.
5: Chris, great to, to be with you.
3: All right, so let's first off, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you get political right off the bat because I think this is this is something that, that we in the conservative movement and Democrats by and large can all agree on. This absolute cluster that the Republicans have have engaged in in their attempt to repeal Obamacare after this latest colossal failure of the GOP. What is your reaction, sir?
5: We've been very clear, the Democratic Party, that there is. Uh, no reason at all uh, we should be taking away someone's health care. You know, the proposals that have come forth from Mitch McConnell, from Donald Trump, from Paul Ryan, uh, from Mike Pence, have been rooted specifically on repealing health care. 22 million people at a minimum losing health care. Higher estimates say it'll be up to 32 million if you have just a full-on repeal. So what we have regularly said is, bring Democrats to the table. Let's have a real conversation on how to improve health care. Let's find ways to bring down the cost. But it is it is absolutely unacceptable that someone would be trying to take away your health care. And and let's be clear to everyone. What has happened recently is not the end. You still have Mitch McConnell and Senate Republicans who are now saying, let's not have a conversation about repeal and replace they now want to have a vote just to repeal and possibly replace later. It's unacceptable. We cannot allow it. Uh, too many people will lose their health care. We can't allow that to occur.
3: Right. Uh, okay, so now, now let's you and I drill down into, uh, into, into some of the ways maybe to working toward a solution and what we can a- agree on or disagree on. You mentioned uh, uh, taking people's insurance away, and you made reference to the 22 million people that, that were cited by the CBO. Uh, Zeke Emanuel, one of the architects of Obamacare, got on Fox News Sunday uh, this last weekend and said that over 15 million of those folks were added to Medicaid by the Obamacare legislation. These are able-bodied people, anywhere from 200 to 400 percent of poverty level. Does the Democrat Party think it's it's okay to add able-bodied individuals to a program that was set up to handle the needy, uh, and the poor, and the vulnerable. Why, and isn't that changing the deal uh, after the fact? And and why do the Democrats think that's appropriate?
5: It's not, so let's be very clear. Medicaid in particular is for low-income communities. So well, let's make sure we're not conflating the, the, the different phrases. Someone can be physically able, uh, however be struggling economically. And so the challenge that has happened in many of the states, the reason why costs have gone up is because Republican governors pushed back and rejected Medicaid expansion in several of their states. So when you look at the challenge right now, which there has been no clear response whatsoever from the Republican leadership on is why would you have cuts and removal to Medicaid, which would then put more pressure on the States who already rejected it previously, which Chris, you and I can at least, I I think, acknowledge if you have less competition in the States, what will that happen? Costs will go up even further. Costs are going up in the states because the states, when Republican governors in the states, did not have expansion of Medicaid. So let's again, let's convey.
3: Well, hold if on. Wait, 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 I just afford, want you to address the, the fact there, there are those out there who are saying, Michael, that that these individuals who have been thrown onto Medicaid, they were not the individuals that Medicaid was created to support. These are these are people two hundred to four hundred percent of the of the poverty line, and they are not. They don't fit the definition that that medicaid was passed under they were added on there as a political convenience and they don't belong on there what do you say to that
5: i completely reject the, the political convenience argument of someone being added on uh just for some willy-nilly opportunity The reality is people are being added into states for a variance of reasons maybe you are added on to a plan because you fell into a, a challenge economically over a period of time which allowed you to qualify at that time Maybe you were added onto a plan because there were no other alternatives in that state. Maybe you were added onto the plan because of your spouse. Maybe you were added onto that plan because of your age being below 26. Maybe you were added onto the plan because of pre existing conditions. There are a range of different reasons why someone could have been added. And so we can't just unilaterally you know, say, well, you know, you've had some progress uh, two years ago, a year ago, today, two years from now and therefore it, it, it disqualifies why you should have been accepted into Medicaid. What brings us to the today is a clear challenge. The clear focus proposal from the Republicans has been let's have cuts to Medicaid, which fundamentally... Well, I it's not a
3: cut, not is not is a the cut when you don't... It's not a cut when the cost is, is, still is, goes is, up to the taxpayer. It's no, not no, a no, cut. Again,
5: again, no, no, it is, because the reality is the, the the First of all, let's game this out. The tax cuts that are being proposed in the, in the bill are for the wealthiest communities. Over $250,000, over $500,000. You tie that with simultaneously a, a challenge where you will then not have Medicaid expansion happening in the states.
3: Well, no, so I you understand that, but I, I, I don't get too far in the weeds, but uh, into wait, this. Wait, wait, but but wait, again, wait, 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 those who are on the upper but, income but, level but, are also but, the but, ones but, paying... But
5: but, but well, also the ones I, on the upper
3: income level, Michael, are the ones paying the freight. Let me let me let me reintroduce you. New York State Assembly hear, Member hear Michael that. Blake, folks, is our he is our guest right now. He's a vice chair at the DNC. La- last thing I want to get to before I get to your your voter initiative because I wanted to make sure to get that in there. Uh, th- th- this bipartisan effort. If it, it, let's just say, for argument's sake, that the Republicans get their act together. I know it's a big if. Let's say they get their act together and their appeal happens. Will the Democrats assist in coming up with a, With what many people believe Obama should have done to begin with, was to get a bipartisan consensus bill done rather than having it pass through with Democrat votes only? If Donald Trump says, hey, let's get together and put together a consensus bill, will Democrats say yes?
5: If, if there is a bill that takes off the table the, the, the repeal, and is actually focused on reducing costs. No, no, we
3: no, no. I said work. if it, if it gets repealed, if 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 Obamacare is repealed, and then we've we, got we, 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 to move forward, will Democrats come to the table and help? It is
5: a non. It's a non-starter. You can't say let's repeal let's repeal health care, and then let's just figure out a, a new system to put in. It took decades to finally get a bill done. Let's go back to your original point that you raised, Chris. The reason why we had to go through reconciliation is because Mitch McConnell and the Republican leadership were not agreeing on any votes that were coming before us when President Obama was in office. Well, you so know, again, I don't,
3: I don't want to relitigate really all that because I've got to get to another thing that, you, that your folks wanted me to talk about, which is this press conference is going to be held at the, the DNC Commission, to what you guys call the DNC Commission to Protect American Democracy from the Trump Administration. Uh, explain that to us, if you will.
5: So this, this is a, a clear uh, uh, pushback on what is being proposed from the, the Trump administration uh, as it relates to, to voting. They, they consistently have been saying that there's this voter fraud effort that is happening in the country, which is just empirically not accurate at all. Uh, and then the request as it relates to requesting personal data, which was soundly rejected by Republican and Democratic uh, Secretary of State across the country, uh, because for a whole host of reasons, you don't people don't want to share their individual data. So we launched the Commission on Protecting American Democracy from the Trump administration to combat what's happening here, this misinformation campaign and this voter suppression effort. Very clearly, all right, all right. want right. no, to no, no the no, conversation no, first off, in that way. Uh,
3: I, yeah, the, the information that was requested by the Trump administration was public data, number one. Number two, got no, actually, actually,
5: again, that's, Chris, again, that's just not accurate. One of the things that was requested was Social Security numbers, the ending of Social Security numbers. The last data. four
3: digits of so the Social Security but, number, but, yes. But, but which but is, again,
5: let's, let's be clear, that's not public data. I mean, we, we're, there, why would you want Social Security data of any sort? Well, I can tell you why,
3: because the, those who are ineligible to vote don't have Social Security numbers. Last thing I wanted to talk to you about on this. When you say that this doesn't exist, was, was ACORN a figment of the American people's imagination, what they had done, had done the systematic voter fraud, that, and it caused them to disband? Was that a, was that a figment of everybody's imagination?
5: The, the, the figment of imagination, which has been debunked repeated times, through the Brennan Center, through the Washington Post articles, through the study that came out uh, two years ago, which said in a 14 year span, that voter fraud happened less than .00002% of the time. Do, are there incredibly limited instances that happen where it could be, whether it be registration challenges, uh, whether it be uh, old, all old roles? Yes, in incredibly limited instances. However, right. what was stated by Donald Trump last year was that there were millions of non-citizens voting, which was completely debunked. All right. Well, then we'll again. we'll see
3: where the commission goes. Hey, Michael, I'm up against the clock. I know what you uh, you know that what that's like a New York State Assemblyman, uh, Michael Blake. Everybody from the DNC, he's a vice chair there. Hey, appreciated the conversation, sir. Thanks for being here on the South State
5: I, the show. Absolutely. Talk to you soon.
3: All right. Telephone numbers triple eight nine hundred thirty three ninety three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. When we get back, story that i uh, uh that is one of these stories that unfolds we told you guys about it a couple of weeks ago but it's gaining steam as more and more people hear about it and the frustration and the anger grows at the canadian prime minister back in a minute the salcedo show right here on the blaze
2: conservative talk radio with spice
1: the chris salcedo show only
2: on the blaze radio network
1: We're taking in a little Latin flair with Chris Salcedo on the Blaze Radio Network. Did
3: you guys hear about this kid walking around on trails in New Mexico? He trips and falls. He's 10 years old. He trips and falls. And Jude Sparks fell literally over a 1.2 million year old skull of a Stegomastodon, a fossil from the Pleistocene era. And, uh, what a find. Just walking out there tooling around in New Mexico. And so the, uh, uh, I guess it was New Mexico State University goes out there, digs it up, does all kinds of special treatment to it and gets it back uh, for study and reassembly. Stegomastodon. Uh, guess it's similar to an elephant. So, uh, and, and he just tripped over it. And if you look at the picture, it's just sitting there on a path, the jaw of a thing. It looks like it's a lower jaw. Just sticking out there, uh, waiting for somebody to trip over it, I guess. Uh, Canada, we, we brought you this story about what's going on up there, how President Obama let a terrorist out of Gitmo, a terrorist that killed an American serviceman and blinded another and returned him to his home in Canada where he was going to be taken care of. Well, he, he got taken care of, and Fox News Channel describes exactly what happened. You know, this is a
0: story with two sides to it, but I think most people are falling on one side of this. Americans, Canadians, both sides of the aisle, cannot understand why a convicted terrorist was awarded eight million bucks years after killing a U.S. soldier on the battlefield in Afghanistan. Baffling as it might be, the fact remains that Canada has agreed to pay former Guantanamo prisoner Omar Cotter a reported $8 million and then apologized to him, saying his civil rights were violated when he was held at Guantanamo Bay, even though that's a military installation owned by the United States.
3: You heard right. Uh, The man who runs Canada, the statist who runs Canada, who couldn't say enough good things about the murderous thuggish regime of the castros down in cuba this same guy has awarded a convicted terrorist with american blood on his hands eight million bucks eight million bucks, and also apologized to him because he had his rights violated alleges the canadian prime minister isn't Canada supposed to be an ally of the United States?
0: Canada's leftist Prime Minister Justin Trudeau supports this settlement. In 2002, Cotter was just 15 years old, an Al Qaeda follower that threw a grenade during a firefight in Afghanistan. The explosion killed Special Forces Medic Army Sergeant Christopher Speer on the left and blinded Soldier Lane Morris, who was on Fox and Friends recently. I don't know what kind of sick, twisted ivory tower Mr. Trudeau has to live in to find that this uh, that this makes any kind of sense but to those of us down here on the street who are walking around this totally sucks Uh, there's there's it's just crazy that you'd give somebody like that eight million dollars because his feelings got hurt
3: yeah well you know you gotta understand sir uh, that first off Justin Trudeau doesn't respect the United States as much as he respects regimes like like uh, cuba's castro regime or even as it appears radicalized islamic fundamentalist terrorists i mean there are degrees to which mr trudeau respects and his neighbor to the south the united states of america apparently isn't held in high regard as the prime minister of canada slaps every american in the face by awarding a terrorist who killed one of our own and blinded another Eight million dollars, and also the apology of the Canadian government.
0: The man who was blinded by that grenade right there, Tap of the Spear, the widow of Sergeant Spear won a one hundred and thirty-four million dollar wrongful death default judgment against Cotter two years ago in Utah. But she's not going to see a dime, neither will the kids, since a judge in Canada, where Cotter lives, refuses to freeze his assets so that that judgment in Utah can be given away.
3: Our buddy Jack Bugby has mused and observed and we have been seeing this with ever more frequent and troubling regularity this unholy alliance between liberal progressive democrats in this country and whatever the heck they call statists of in canada and radical islam this is evidence of it and it ought to be condemned and hey, remember everybody a society's worth is not measured by how much power is seized by an out of control government but rather How much power is reserved for we, the people? Have a fantastic day. Back here tomorrow, 3 o'clock Eastern for the Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. We will see you then.
1: This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.